Go, go, power failures. Go, go, power failures. Go, go, power failures. You mighty muffin power failures. Hello, everybody, and uh, sorry for the terrible singing. Uh, I can't sing, but we thought that'd be a funny bit. That actually came from Mimi Glitter. You'll see her on the King's Eyes channel as well, and on YouTube. She's okay at times, and <laughs> she gave me that really a good idea for a bit of a song at the start of this episode. And uh, thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't guessed already, this week's episode of You Have Failed is about the Power Rangers. Um, Power Rangers is a show that I've loved ever since... I was a child, in fact, one of the many jobs I would have wanted when I grew up, along with, you know, being a professional duelist, Pokemon master, Darth Vader, Batman. One of the others, I would have loved to grow up and become a Power Ranger. Red Ranger, because obviously they're always the cool ones. Or the, the Sixth Ranger is normally the only, like, the other really cool one. But I was always partial to Red. And today I think I'm going to focus mainly on what my favourite Power Rangers series was, which was the one that was prominent when I was growing up, and that was Power Rangers Wild Force. Now, Wild Force was a very interesting series because it was very dark, I remember, especially for a children's show. I remember at the time, like, yes, obviously shows have got to a lot more light-hearted and you're not allowed as much violence or dark themes in TV shows anymore, but even back then they were still relatively tame. But then you get Power Rangers Wild Force, which really had a very dark theme underlying it through the whole way, and it's weird because the whole thing was nature versus development and humans. But underneath all of that, there was much darker themes running throughout the whole series, and we will get into those later. But let's start off with a little story about young Ewan and his wild forced obsessed life. There are a few things that I did that I don't regret but looking back I wonder what I was on at the time. The biggest one was I always used to be around my nanas and we'd watch it and we'd always have to play a game where my nana had to be Toxica, one of the two main cast but one of the bad guys, one of the two Duke Orgs that served Master Org along with Ginger Axe. She would have to be Toxica and the whole time she would have to kidnap Princess Shayla and I, the Power Ranger, would have to go and fight my Nan and save the princess. Time after time after time. And <laughs> I can imagine for my Nan after a while she probably got quite bored but fortunately she loved me so she let me get away with it more. But yeah, this this was a game that had the same plotline, the same characters, and the same outcome time after time after time, because I was an imaginative child. Another funny story, also involving my nana actually, we went to the Disney store at Lakeside because this was around the time that Disney was buying the rights to Power Rangers. Wild Force was the last in the old era of the Saban Power Rangers, but Disney had acquired it during the run of the series, so at that time, there was a big thing at the Disney store up in Lakeside, near where I live. And the Power Rangers were going to be there. Amazing! I love the Power Rangers. I wanted to be a Power Ranger. So we queued for hours and hours and hours outside the Disney store. And eventually, the Power Rangers showed up. And I shit myself. You see, for young Ewan, he'd been watching them on the television. And the thing with the television... It makes everybody look smaller. 
So when I <laughs> saw these Power Rangers that towered over me, I was terrified. <laughs> I, I don't really remember why, obviously this was a long time ago, but all I remember from the story is that I, I literally was hiding behind my Nan, who is not very tall herself, frankly, like very small. Small five foot, and I'm now over six foot, so how the tables have turned, Power Rangers. I am now taller than you. But at the time, I remember being that I was terrified, and when we got into the store to have my picture taken with the Power Rangers, I don't think I've ever been more scared in my entire life of these people that I idolised, I watched on the TV week in, week out, the people I wanted to be, scared me shitless. And, yeah, so... I have to apologise to my nana in both cases there, because I made her play an endless loop, um, like Groundhog Day, of the same game, and made her queue hours with me to see the Power Rangers, only for me to shit myself and not want to meet the Power Rangers. <sighs> Good times. But that's enough about the uh, therapy session. Let's get on to talking about Power Rangers Wild Force. Now, as I mentioned before, this show was based very much on nature versus humans, and is industrialism right because the main characters, the Wild Force Power Rangers, fought alongside their wild sorts, embassies of nature and life, and the orgs were always built on pollution. In fact, the putrids, which were the little grunts, you know, the ones that just get one punched and beaten easily, whilst the villain of the week can dish out a bit of damage itself. The putrids were literally, you just throw some polluted gunk in the air from a weird shell thing, they'd land on the ground, come out patting their heads, like, and then and fight the Power Rangers. But a lot of the orgs, you actually see their creation in the early series, and I remember the one that always sticks in my head, that you, um, you see the spirit of an org, and it basically encapsulates some barbed wire. But things like that were really what was the message in Wild Force. The orgs were trying to destroy nature, destroy order. And the Wild Force Power Rangers were trying to protect life and promote nature and let's not destroy it. The whole show was really a metaphor about humans destroying the planet. The orgs were like, no, you don't deserve this planet, you've destroyed it. And the Wild Force Rangers were like, no, we have a chance. And obviously it ended up being the multicolour spectacle that Power Rangers is. Speaking of, let's go through the original five Power Rangers. You start off with the Blazing Lion, Carl Evans. You go to the Iron Bison, Danny Delgado. You go to this Surging Shark, Max Cooper. You go to the Noble Tiger, Alyssa Enrile. Or however you say that, I'm sorry if I butchered it. And then you have the Soaring Eagle, Taylor Earhart. And they are obviously later joined by Marek Bellaton, the Lunar Wolf, but we'll get to him in a minute because frankly he's amazing and I love him and he is probably my favourite character in the show. Slash his evil alter ego, but we'll get to that in a bit because my god I love them. But I do also love this series and from the minute it started I, I fell in love with these characters. I mean to be fair, as a child who liked action, seeing a bunch of people with swords, guns and everything beat people up. Of course I was going to enjoy it. But along the way, I really got attached to these characters, and I must admit, the Zords were fantastic as well. I'm pretty sure last I checked, and this might have changed now, because it's been a while, just on Wikipedia, Wild Force actually has the record for the most number of Zords in one season. Now, it definitely wins if you inc include all of the ones that weren't necessarily shown, but were implied to be there in the final battle with Master Org, and you see about... 15 million animal crystals show up. 
But even without that, there's about 26 that actually show up in physical form in the series, and that is a big number of Zords. But what's most impressive about this series is a lot of them are machines created by people and, you know, to fight evil. In this, they're very much alive, and whilst they are, yes, machines for the sake of the Power Rangers gimmick of Zords and Megazords, these Zords are sentient and alive, and for the most part, they choose who wields them. So the Red Lion Zord chose Cole Evans, etc, etc. And that adds for a very unique dynamic in this series, that the Zords aren't just robots that you used to fight. They are very much a part of the team. They're not just equipment. They are part of the Ranger team. They're alive. And this obviously goes well with Cole's character of being lost in the forest for many years and raised around animals. That He can talk to animals, which makes a unique dynamic between him and the Red Lion in particular, because he can directly speak to his Zord through verbal communication rather than just the more spiritual communication the other rangers have with their zords. And it was this love of nature that really pushed the series forward. Because as I say, the orcs, on the other hand, you've got Master Org at the top, who we'll get to him in a minute, and some of the dickhead moves that he made during the series. Jindrax Toxica is the two main duke orcs, but you've also got the orc generals of Nazor, Retinax, and Manda... something. I can't remember that one. The one with the mouths. To be fair, the orgs were never... The generals were never actually the big focus of it. Obviously, the main ones were Jindrax and Toxica. And they're the ones I want to talk about for now, actually, because they were always really brilliant characters as well. Normally, villain underlings are... In Power Rangers... I don't know, there's not many that you sort of get attached to. Really, because yes, they all have their own characters, but the thing is, you're drawn to like Jim Jackson Toxica. Because if you look at other ones, I'll think of other prominent series from when I was a kid, like Dino Thunder, you've got Zeltrax and Elsa, but yeah, they're good villains. But you don't like them. Whereas Jim Jackson Toxica, yeah, they're evil, but there's something about them that you just gravitate towards in the same way that you gravitate towards the Rangers. And I always found that very interesting as a child, that yes, as a person, as I'm sure you'll notice this series goes on, I tend to like villains. I, I like villain characters, they tend to be my favourite in series. But in a series where I love the heroes so much, for some reason I was also gravitating towards these two particular villains just as much, because Jindrax and Toxica carried a charisma with them that frankly carried the show through some places. Their friendship, in the latter part of the series season you see it's their friendship that really drives a lot of the series forward and their love for each other goes beyond just being evil cohorts and partners they genuinely care for each other enough to betray their own cause and their own kind to look out for each other and you see that all this charisma leads to in the final episode i think or second to last episode they actually help the rangers and become good guys and go out to live their lives as as good people we don't know what happens to them after that we can only hope they went on to live brilliant and happy lives but overall this they you know they were very interesting characters because from the start they were shown to be maniacal and evil they were the duke orgs they're basically really high ranking in in the org hierarchy direct servants to master org himself and trying to cause as much trouble as they can. But you see the whole time that it's almost like they're doing it for the sake of doing it. They're doing it to please their master, and they're doing it because they don't know anything else. 
and as the series progressed, you see them questioning it more and more as Jinjax's brother is killed, Toxica is betrayed by Mandalok, I think is his name, I remember, because he's the one who basically kills her. Master Org disowns them at times. And yes, they keep coming back to the cause. You see, time after time, they keep questioning whether they should. And by the second to last episode, when they, or before the final two-part episode, they decide to help the Rangers and realise we don't have to be bad. You know, the Rangers have been have helped us at certain times. The Princess has been nice to us after everything we've tried to do to them. Maybe we're on the wrong side. And that is why their characters are so strong, because they're not just normal Power Ranger villains of, ah, we're bad, or we're bad because we're mind-controlled. They're bad because they were born into it. But their characters are strong enough to realise that maybe that's not who they are. And eventually they turn. And it's great characters like that that really drive the series. Because this was at the height of where Power Rangers stopped being such a... You know, just a complete Japanese rip-off and... We're not going to do much of our own characters, we're just going to use them to fill the time. This became... Well, why don't we do something with these characters? You saw it in previous series as well. Time Force was brilliant for this. But Wild Force in particular did wonderful things. Each of the characters had a developed, to some extent, backstory. Every single one of the Rangers had something that they did before being a Power Ranger. And you see that. Danny used to just work in shops and he had a crush on a woman, but he couldn't go out with her now because he was a Ranger. Max was on track to become a professional bowler, but had to give it all up to become a Ranger. Alyssa actually still at the point of being a ranger was in university or as they call it college studying to become a teacher she didn't have to drop hers but she had to do a lot of work to manage being a ranger and her uh, student life taylor was in the air force and cole whilst he didn't have a normal life before that you see he was brought up in the jungle and he was always almost an outsider there and that's where the real dark part of the story comes in is the fact that Master Org, well, the iteration of Master Org that we see in the present, wasn't always an Org. He was actually a human who, along with Cole's parents, was looking for the proof that Animaria, the Kingdom of Animaria, and the Animarium, which is where the Wild Swords and the Power Rangers reside, was real because of the old folk stories in Turtle Cove, and he was looking for it. And he actually fell in love with Cole's mother. But what he didn't know was that who would become Carl's father had also fallen in love with her. And just as Master Org in human form, um, Victor something, was going to propose to her, Cole, he walks in to see that Carl's father had already done so. And he became so bitter about it that on one of their expeditions, he snaps. Because by this point, the two lovers had had a child who, as we now know, is Cole. And most of his big story arc for the series is trying to find where his parents are, trying to find where he belongs. And then the revelation that on this trip, um, Victor finds proof of the Animarium through the seeds of Master Org, but consumes them in his rage and gains the powers of Master Org. And you see him hunt down and kill Cole's parents. Now, before this, they managed to hide Cole, and that's how he ends up 
being lost in the jungle and found by people and looked after. But you actually see Master Org kill Cole's parents in this series, and that's what I mean by how dark it is for Power Rangers and for a kid's show. You see the murder of Cole's parents. And the reveal in the episode where Master Org has this one-on-one -on -one conversation with Cole and says to them, you know, what he's done, I've killed your parents, it's so tragic at the time that as an audience you are blown away and I remember I was as a child and Cole's reaction is perfect because his whole character arc has been finding his parents, finding out where he belongs this whole time. But now what does he do? His parents are dead, he's got no one. But it's at this moment that the other rangers who are captured and dying behind him give him the strength to fight and he realises that whilst he's parents may be gone. He has a new family. He does have somewhere where he belongs and he has something to fight for. And it's that powerful moment that he then defeats Master Org temporarily, mind you. He does come back. But that's it was powerful for a kid show. And that's what I loved about this series that it was so Powerful, because after that you see Cole go to his parents' grave and lay down flowers with his new family present. Letting go of the past and looking looking into the future. And the most powerful message of this is in the end of the series, in the ending epilogue that you see, he goes to their grave again and places flowers on their grave. But sees the grave of the deceased... Master Org from when he was a human and how overgrown and horrible it is, no one visits, that he takes some of the flowers and places them on his grave, hoping that he has finally found peace and that he can rest and having the ultimate forgiveness for the man that killed his parents. Something that, you know, is Batman-esque, but I don't even know if Batman would have that strength. Whereas Cole finds it in him to forgive the man that not only killed his parents, but killed so many innocent lives and tried to kill him time after time and destroy the world, he finds the heart to forgive him. And it's powerful moments like this that really make Wild Force stand out as a series. And that's what sort of brings me on to then, before I go too much into the finale and how dark that was, my personal favourite character of Merrick slash Zenaku. We're introduced to Zenaku when the general org Nazor, Nazor is introduced in the series, and he says to Master Org, you know, I've got a plan. And he releases the Duke Org Zenaku. Now the difference between Zenaku and the other orgs is whilst the generals are yes based off parts of the face and Jinjax and Toxica are just there to be their own characters, the rest are all based on certain gimmicks or human y things. Zenaku is wolf-like, which is completely different to any other org we've seen so far. And he comes out of his prison with a vengeance. He's been trapped for 3,000 years since the previous Battle of Animaria. And he is pissed at the rangers. The rangers don't know why yet. He's not even completely sure why at this point. He is just angry and willing to serve the orgs and destroy the guardians of Animaria. And he comes at them with everything he, he's got with a vengeance. And, I and he cuts them down with brutality. Time after time again, he completely rips them a new one. And in that first battle, 
he defeats the White Ranger and she drops her elephant crystal and he just picks it up, holds it in his hands and it freezes over and then you see on the Animarium the elephant zord just turn to stone and disappear into darkness which is quite disturbing for this creature that you know is alive has just been corrupted, destroyed, we don't know and then Zinaku just walks away and over the course of his interactions with the rest of the rangers he continues to take zord after zord after zord what's even more worrying is when he reveals that he has his own wild zords called the dark wild zords the wolf the hammerhead and the alligator and he can form them into his own megazord called the predazord which is far more powerful than at the time the rangers wild force megazord and zenarku is such a physical threat but also a mental one, because the rangers are constantly on their toes of what does this man want? It turns out that 3,000 years ago, he was sealed away by the original Guardians of Animaria in that battle. But there's more to the story than that. What Zinaku doesn't know, and what the Orcs are keeping from him, is that he used to be human. He used to be one of the Guardians of Animaria, the sixth Guardian. And this is what really makes him stand out. It was he himself who asked his friends to lock him away, because during that final battle of Animaria 3,000 years ago against Master Rourke, they were losing, so he decided to use the power of the cursed ancient wolf mask to boost his own power to defeat Master Rourke. But in doing so, the wolf mask ended up taking over his mind and body, and before he lost all control, he asked his friends to seal him away so he couldn't hurt or kill any of them, but he didn't remember that. Those memories were wiped by the Yorks, so that he would be a loyal servant of theirs. And in the modern day, he was a terrifying monster that would tear his way through the rangers time after time again. But at times you would see his more human side. He, The moon, much like other wolves, controlled him. And when the moon was covered, he reverted to human form. And you could see him as Merrick, but as soon as the moon shone again in the sky, he was Zenaku, the wolf orc. But even when he was Zenaku, you could see his human side, because there was a time where the white ranger, she was injured and found unconscious, and he actually nursed her back to health. She didn't know that she was unconscious the whole time, but he did nurse her back to health, and helped her through these times and gave her a bandage, or he made a bandage out of part of his cape. So these, this whole time there were signs of there was still a man left under there, and eventually the rangers realised that the key to breaking the curse wasn't destroying, wasn't beating Zenaku, it was beating the Predazord, because when he used the power of the wolf mask all those years ago, the curse was actually put on his wild swords, not on him. Therefore, in the climactic battle of Zenaku, in defeating the Predazord <coughs> and releasing the evil from the Predazord, you released Merrick from the evil of Zenaku, and therefore the sixth and final member of the Wildfire Force team 
was revealed. The Lunar Wolf Ranger, Merrick. And he was still just as badass in Ranger form. You know, he'd kick ass, take names, no org was getting in his way. And now with the Wolf Hammerhead and Alligator on the side of good, and the Predazord on the side of good, oh, orgs were getting their ass kicked left, right and centre. But even so, you thought, oh, that's enough character development for him. 3,000 years ago, he did this. Trapped as a wolfman for 3,000 years, and then becomes a ranger. But no, you find out in the past, him and the princess, Princess Shayla, they were in love. They had a connection. In fact, her necklace that she now uses to communicate with the rangers and protect herself at times, he gave to her. And they were very much in love in the past. So even after all this, he still continues to get character development, and each one of the rangers get at least one episode dedicated to to their past and to their own personal development. More than one, in fact. Yes, you might only get one dedicated to what they did before being a ranger, but every single one of them gets multiple episodes dedicated to, you know, who they are now, where they are going forward, and really big character moments that push them forward. In fact, most of these end up rewarding them with a new power, or or Zord, as most Ranger things do. Taylor, for example, getting the uh, Polar Bear and Black Bear Zord, or Cole getting the Falcon Zord. And all these new Zords obviously lead to new Megazord combinations and more power for the Rangers to help fight against the evil Orgs and defend the planet. As they say, Guardians of the Earth, united we roar. Because that was the message. They were protecting the Earth from evil. But that evil was humans. As seen in the episodes where they meet a boy called Kite, who actually turns out to be the god of the wild zords. As you see, he, he's actually Animus. And he ends up taking the zords away from the rangers, because he doesn't believe that humans deserve the gift of the wild zords anymore. Because they are just destroying the planet with no regard for for nature. The whole point is saying, are humans the bad guys? And the point of the rangers is saying, no, we can fight for this, we must defend nature, we can't just be all industrial and destroy everything and greedy. To look out for life, we need to work with life, with nature. And, and as much as Kite was a really annoying and contradicting character in himself, Animus was great. Kite, not so much. The message that he was trying to get across, I can still see the point that he was trying to prove to the rangers that nature, do humans deserve it? Probably not. Yes, taking it away from the rangers is a bad thing because the rangers have done nothing but fight for nature and defend it. But do humans deserve nature? Do humans deserve the wild swords? Maybe not. And that's what was so powerful about this series, that it was real. It wasn't just, oh yeah, bad guy, wants to take over the world, rare. It was a real problem that humans still face today. We don't look out for nature, we just abuse it. So if the orgs were a real threat, we would be losing right now. But I think getting away from the symbolism and the realism of the series, you can't talk about this series without having the 10-year Power Ranger anniversary crossover forever read. Because, as I'm sure you've worked out from that statement, 
This series falls on the 10th anniversary of Power Rangers, and therefore had a special crossover where all previous Red Rangers, including legends such as Tommy Oliver, grouped together to fight against the Machine Empire on the moon and stop them from reviving Lord Zed's evil personal Zord Serpent Terror. And it's a very cool episode. Obviously, it doesn't really relate to Wild Force too much. It's just a way of a tribute and showing appreciation for 10 years of the Power Rangers series. And, yeah, it's just a cool episode, and I thought it's a good thing to point out here, because it did happen within the parameters of Wild Force. But, back to the actual show, and let's talk about the two-part finale. Because this is where the show does get really dark. So it starts with the newly revived Master Org finds the Org heart and consumes it, which is a big thing because the whole point of Orgs is that none of them have a heart. That's that's why they are so evil. They are born without hearts. They don't function with hearts. They just function with pure hate and pollution power, basically. But Master Org consumes the evil Org heart and becomes all-powerful, assuming absorbing the powers of the previous Orc Generals and Duke Orcs. And although Jindrax and Toxica have escaped by this point, you still see remnants of them in the new Master Orcs design. And at this point, the Power Rangers are celebrating. They think they've beaten him. They think it's all done, and they're having essentially a party on the Animarium. When suddenly, Master Orc just appears, giant and looking for vengeance. And, well, <laughs> there's no way of saying it easily. He goes on a slaughtering rampage. The rangers morph and they form their Megazord. And Master Org does nothing but one after one, cutting down the wild zords. And yes, in previous series and series afterwards, you've seen the zords be destroyed. You know, in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, you see the dino zords be destroyed. But the thing is, this is one of the first series, if not maybe the first, where the Zords were completely sentient on their own. So seeing them die is tragic, and as he slashes through them and they burst into a million pieces. What really adds to the tragedy of it is you then cut to the ranger that owned that Zord, and you see the crystal shatter in their hands. And when it gets to the final five Zords, the original five, and you see the eagle, bison, shark, tiger and lion, all cut down by Master Org. It's a really, really harrowing moment where you see the pain in the ranger's eyes and this isn't even, you know, has Master Org won? Because without the wild swords, the Power Rangers don't have power. And it's just so tragic watching these creatures that you know are alive and that are part of the team, and yeah, you've probably connected with the Wild Zord by this point as well. Just being cut down one by one by one in the most brutal and ruthless assault by the Org Jet. After destroying the Wild Zords, he basically then goes after the Animarium itself, sends it hurtling back towards the Earth. So the Rangers are on a crash course, and Master Org has won. <coughs> we start the final episode. There are putrids everywhere, overrunning the entire planet. You see people in distress being attacked and killed by the putrids, which, as I say, is very dark for a kid's show that these things have... They've won, and they are wiping out the human race. And the rangers have just crash-landed, but they refuse to give up. You see them unable to morph now, 
unable to assume the Power Ranger identity, continue the fight. They fight the Putrids. They give it everything they've got in one last rousing, this is who we are. And they refuse to give up the fight. And you see they end up saving a family and a child from the Putrids and then go on to confront Master Orc himself, who by this point is Megazord size, and they don't even have their powers, they are just pure humans, so they are ants to him. And he gives his whole, I'm the bad guy, I've beaten you, I'm stronger than you, there's nothing you can do now, ha 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 ha, you know, the huge. And that's when you get one of the most powerful speeches I've ever seen in a lot of things, let alone Power Rangers where Cole says something along the lines of, and you can paraphrase me here, because it's probably not the direct quote, but I feel like I know it, where he's like, we might not be Power Rangers anymore, and our wild doors might be gone, but we still have power. And he goes on a rant about how they're not going to give up, and they do their roll call one more time, but unmorphed, with like, Blazing Lion, and they all do the thing where they touch their heart and do their poses, which, yeah, is cheesy Power Rangers, but the message behind it is powerful that they don't have power anymore. They don't stand a chance. But they continue to fight, and they even say, we're still Guardians of the Earth, and they do the whole Guardians of the Earth, United We Roar. And they keep on fighting, refusing, refusing to give up. And it's at that point that you see their spirits. Suddenly all these lights start appearing and start attacking the Master Orc. And you're wondering what all of these are. It's at this point that six particular lights descend on the rangers. And you realise it's the Wild Zords. They're back. The fighting spirit that the Power Rangers had displayed, whilst, yes, very cheesy, this is a kid's show, had brought the Wild Swords back, but not just the ones that they'd collected through the series, the 26, 27, but every single Wild Sword that ever existed, all the ones that were killed during the last Battle of Animaria, all the ones that have been lost all these years, are back through the will of the Rangers to keep fighting and never give up. And it's in this final blaze of glory that the, now the Wild Swords are back. The Rangers have their power back. They morph one final time. And in the final battle against Master Org, them and all the Wild Zords give one final push, and he's defeated, and the Orc heart is destroyed. They win through sheer power and will and not giving up, and that's what's so powerful about this series as well. The big thing is the finale. Yes, it's dark, but it teaches you to never give up, even in your darkest hour when all hope seems lost. Keep fighting. And after this we get the sad conclusion, I suppose. I mean, the conclusion always makes me tear up a little bit. It might not you, but as I say, I, I got attached to these characters. So you see them all, you hear someone, you see them, they have to say goodbye to Princess Shayla in the Wild Swords. Now that the Earth is safe again, she returns to her sleep until her and the Wild Swords are needed again. And the Animarium raises to the sky, the Rangers never to see her or their friends again. So all the rangers go their separate ways. And you hear a narration by a voice that you find quite familiar. And you find out that Max and Danny went travelling the world. Taylor rejoined the Air Force. Cole went round using his skills to help animals everywhere. And it's in this scene that you see him give forgiveness to Master Orc. 
and Taylor rejoins the Air Force. And actually, in a bit, I think it's slightly unfair. Because she joins the Air Force, she gets to see her Eagle Zord when it, every day at a preset time that she's made with them by jumping in a plane and the Eagle Zord will descend and fly alongside her just just for old friendship's sake. I'm like, well, fair enough, but what about the other guys? They miss their Zords too. And the most interesting one, <coughs> you see Merrick wandering the Earth alone as a lone wolf. <coughs> but then uh, you see a gust of wind and <laughs> the person behind him is Zenaku, who... They, they have a little back-and-forth banter. Merrick goes along the lines of, <clears throat> you know, follow me if you must. And Zinaku then goes, lead the way, old friend. And even Zinaku and Merrick reconcile their previous 3,000 years and become somewhat friends, just wandering the earth together, wondering what they could do. And then you go to a classroom and realise that this story is being told to the children by their teacher, who is in fact the noble tiger, Alyssa herself. And the funny little nod at the end is one of the children going, but, you know, Miss Omrile, is this story true or did you just make it all up? And Alyssa then just gives a, well, what do you think? And the camera pans to a photo that she has on her desk of her and all the rangers with the princess from one of their victories. And that's where the series sort of ends on the note that you know, it was a real story in-universe and all the rangers are now living their own lives and doing their own things, but they always have that memories and you assume they still keep in touch. And that was Power Rangers Wild Force. And as I say, for a ch- children's show, it was incredibly moving and deep. That f- Those final two episodes were incredibly dark. All hope seemed lost. You see the Wild Zords slaughtered. You see people being beaten and killed by... The army of the orcs, you know, the bad guys won. The world's in danger. Innocents are being destroyed. The Power Rangers stripped of their powers. But through all that, hope and never giving up prevailed. Nature prevailed. Life prevailed. That's what this message of this story is. It's, you know, to quote Jeff Goldblum, life uh, finds a way. Because it does, and this series is proof of that. Against the odds, powers stripped away from them. The rangers kept fighting. They kept fighting for life. And that's, I think, the message this series was really trying to go with. It's not just nature versus industrialism and pollution. It's it's life. It's fighting for life. And never giving up and doing your best. And that's what I think makes this series such a good Power Rangers series. Because it's not just some overly cartoonish thing like the originals were, which isn't a fault of their own, it's the way it was produced. And some of the newer ones have been, I think, over-dramatised or too simple again. But this was in the perfect mix of, yeah, it's campy and silly like Power Rangers should be, you know, multicoloured spandex, biker helmets, who are poses that gets kids involved also had the messages that the kids took away from it, like me, and grew up. Yeah, I wanted to be a Power Ranger because it was cool, but I wanted to be a Power Ranger because I wanted to save the world. I wanted to make a difference, and this show was a big part of pushing that in me, and I'm sure so many other children, because it didn't shy away from having its dark moments. Cole's parents were murdered. The Wild Swords were murdered. Alyssa comes from a family where she was at first not allowed to follow her own dreams, you know, 
And all of these characters have their own traumas, their own problems. They learn to work as a team, to use friendship, life and nature, to never give up and find a solution and save the world. And that's why this show has such a high resonation with me. It's not just a nostalgia factor of how much I loved Power Rangers Wild Force and how much I was just like, oh cool, look at all the robot animals and ah! Because the Wild Swords did look amazing. It was more the messages and the feelings that I took away. Because yes, it inspired a stupid game that I played over and over and over again with my nan. But it's because I wanted to be that Power Ranger. I wanted to be the hero who fought for life and fought for nature. And that's what I think this show was designed for you to take away. It was nature. Yes, it was dark. Yes, it probably wouldn't be passed by today's standards on television because it was dark. It was really gripping at times. But the light shone through. Yes, it's cheesy as all kids TV is. But it still got the message across. And that's what the takeaway from this show is. Now, speaking of cheesy shows, next week we'll be going over one of the shows that, frankly, shouldn't work and is one of the cheesiest things in the entire world. All I'm going to say is that uh, you've activated my trap card and I'll let you think on that. But thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in this week. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do follow me on Twitter or the You Have Failed uh, Twitter itself. Follow me on YouTube or join the Discord server. All links are on King's Eyes Life. So once again, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And I'll be back next week, guys. See you then.